Last time on Either Or. Dogs actually go to war. You know, we've bred them for a long time. Mastiffs. And lose German. against cat, as I pointed out earlier. <laughs> Welcome to the Either Or podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me, as always, my good friend Chris Evans. Thanks, Steve. We are back. I survived my encounter with Dave. Dogs versus cats. Man, what was the stuff with the uh, the giant amazing killing machine? Apparently, Dave enjoys 13-foot <laughs> killing machines. Cats. Speaking of killing machines, what do we have today, Steve? Uh, we've got a great episode. Actually, the one of the most intense killing machines the world has ever known. That would be James Bond. Ooh. That's right, Chris. James Bond, the longest-running film franchise of all time, 24 movies, of course, including the best one of all, Moonraker. <laughs> Do we have to mention <laughs> that one? Suddenly I can't think of any other James Bond titles. Perfect, only because... only 25 of them. We are, we are debating which is the best Bond, Sean Connery or Daniel Craig? That's easy, Steve. That's mm. got to be the original Sean Connery. I don't know. I think one of my uh, one of our other friends has something to say about that. Hold on, we got to let the, the crescendo here. Mmm, so good, so good. Well, who better to debate Chris about who is the better Bond, Sean Connery or Daniel Craig, than my good friend? and co-host of the Wretched Hive podcast, Greg Lent. Greg, welcome to the Either Or Show. Thank you, guys. It's so good to be here. I am thrilled to be a part of a different show than the Wretched Hive, although while I love Star Wars, I also like talking about politics. And so the Electoral College, let's... uh. Let's uh, let's get started. What's going on with uh, with politics these days? Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> wow, that took a turn. I don't know. Well, there's Brexit. Brexit's certainly in the news. It is gone through. Yeah. Now. And uh, Brexit. What would Bond say about Brexit, Greg? What do you think? It's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. All right, so uh, let's just jump. Right wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not a talk. This is not a podcast about politics. No, I'm sorry. That that was a different show that we used to. That Dave and I did for a while. This is not Dave. This is another friend of ours. <laughs> oh, so the smart guy's not here tonight. Oh no, not at all. Wow, oh, wow. You the trash talking has already begun. So, so I see that you listened to last week's episode, obviously. <laughs> I thought this was gonna be more civil. Wow. Two things that we love. I mean the Brits are proper. They're you know, buttoned up and you know James Bond is a very polite killing machine. Well, it is it is out there that I am a Bond fan, and I am a Bond fan. I don't know if I'm a super fan. I've been classified as a super fan mm -hmm. by some, and I would have to take a take some argument with that. But I do love me some Bond. I've seen all the 25 of the movies, and I have my favorites. And Sean Connery, while he started the role, I don't know if he's my favorite, guys. I think that the, uh, a young newcomer to the game who's been around for, geez, 10 years now? How long has this guy been making Bond movies? Timothy Dalton has been around a very long time. He's about he's about to drop his fifth movie that's coming out soon, uh, No Time to Die. That would be Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. Uh, so, Greg, what is the genesis of your Bond fandom? Why are you a Bond fan? Oh, you know what? Roger Moore is my first Bond, and probably the first movie that I saw with Roger Moore has to be, I'm thinking For Your Eyes Only, maybe? Um, I'm just going to do a quick Google search on that one just to get exactly the year because seeing as we're not on the uh, the Wretched High podcast, we are talking on the on the either or podcast here today. I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge for years 
that some of our other co-hosts have. But I do show that Night for Your Eyes only 1981, so 11 years old, and that's about the that's about right in my wheelhouse for my first uh, Bond, Bond flicks. And of course, there was Moonraker, and there was uh, there was uh, Octopussy came out, and, uh, and and for like a 13 year old being able to say Octopussy and just giggling afterwards was just the best thing. Ever. <laughs> I still so. giggle now. I still I still giggle. <laughs> Uh, so mine was Moonraker. I that was my entree to the Bond universe, and I remember, you know, when my kids were old enough to watch Bond, I'm like, okay, I got to go back and watch Moonraker with my kids. That movie does not hold up. Mm, it really doesn't. <laughs> James Bond and lasers in space that apparently stop when they hit you. They don't keep going for some reason. Now, Chris, what is your genesis? The you genesis know, mine of your Bond the, fandom. Mine is the same as Greg as well, too. However, I do remember Cinemax. Hmm. They played for The Spy Who Loved Me, and that was my first introduction. Oh, that's, a good, that's a great And then Bond. they always played on ABC Sunday Night all the old James Bond movies. As a kid growing up in the sticks, that was my escape. Hmm. James Bond. Yeah. Those old Bond movies when they had the like the Bond marathon on Sundays. Every Sunday night yes. on a Sunday night movie. Yes. Was a Bond so, movie. Yeah. So when so okay, so so we all started with more. Uh, we all got into Bond with more. And I think yeah, I think I think more is a good introduction to Bond because you don't realize exactly he's fucking old when sorry if I'm not allowed to cuss here, Ooh, but uh, you don't realize he is he is that old compared to everybody else that has ever held the role of James Bond. But he's a good introduction because you're a little kid and you just, you know, it's an older adult and he's, he, he's doing things with other, other adults and it, seem, it seems to be fine. It gets a little creepy the older I get because he, he's, he's really old, guys. He's really, oh, really old. Oh, watching Roger Moore and Octopussy trying to, like, hook up with um, Grace Jones, right? Try to hook up. Try, well, That's a view to a kill. Uh, and man, he does that, hook up with Grace that's Jones. That's view to a kill, yeah. Oh, view to a kill. Okay, yeah. all right. But it's like, you know, a Grandpa going after... It does it's have a little the, creepy. It does have the greatest blimp scene at the end, right? The, the blimp <laughs> sneaks up on you and takes down the villain, right? <laughs> All right, so so guys... Because everybody knows that the, the blimp sneaking up, you, up on you is the, the absolute piece de resistance for how the bad guy's going to sneak up on you. But what I was getting at ah. was that when did we switch over and when did we realize that Roger Moore was a horrible Bond? When did that happen? Hmm. See, for me, it wasn't until I was no longer a child. I was like an adult, and I go back to watch those old movies, and I go, "Man, he's old." I mean, when he when his first movie was it Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, Live and Let Die. At Live and Let that... Die, he was already in his like late forties. He looked yes. great. He he was somewhere around the age that Connery was when Connery retired from the role. Yes. So it's not like they dumped him for a younger Bond. They just switched him for a different Bond. Yes. Right. But really, it wasn't because they wanted a younger actor. It's because um, Connery no longer wanted the role. They offered right. George Lazenby first. You had the Australian actor who did on Her, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and he did one mm-hmm. film and became a hippie. And that's where <laughs> that's a, a, I thought Lazenby was a pretty good Bond. I like Lazenby. The script Bond. was phenomenal, but Lazenby not so much. I mean, you give that role to Connery. That's the film where James Bond marries and loses his wife. Uh, I think Connery kills that role. And by the way. That's what they're doing with Craig now. That's the fifth film. They're no repeating. time to die. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to jump into this, guys. We're going to get into who is the better Bond? Who played the better Bond? Sean Connery or Daniel Craig? Let's get this going here. The stage is set. The curtain rises. We are ready to begin. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Okay, you two punks. I want a good, clean fight. I'm listening. I'm invincible. You're a loony. Tell me something, my friend. 
You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You talking to me? Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. Is it safe? All right, guys. <clears throat> Opening statements. You have two minutes. Greg, you're up first. Why is Daniel Craig the better Bond? Daniel Craig, the better Bond. Well, I'm going to start out with a little bit of history, and that, and uh, not so much a history of Connery, just a history of Bond. And the the character of Bond is a fantasy character. Not only is he a fantasy character, he's a Cold War fantasy character. So it's not sci-fi, it's not Western, it's not uh, it's not high fantasy sword and sandal. It is a spy thriller developed out of the, uh, the wartime era, Cold War, if you will. Fantasy is what he is. And we needed that hero in Sean Connery in that time, in that space that we were in, in the 60s and the 70s. But going into the 80s, 90s, and beyond... Things changed. The wall came down. The uh, the the Glossnass took over from the Soviet Union, and there was a time of peace. So we needed a new hero, and they tried it with a couple of other actors, but they couldn't quite get it right until you get to one Daniel Craig, the young, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, just strapping young lad from England, England, I say, not Scotland, England, <laughs> portraying an English hero for the world as it is, and he took that role. That was dying, dying, I say, and took it to new heights, new heights to the top of the mountain, getting over a billion dollars in just his third effort as Bond, a billion dollars for Skyfall. Started out with a bang, Casino Royale, the first 007 story in book form, but also the first story of James Bond for young Daniel Craig, knocked it out of the park, probably the best Bond film of all time, Casino Royale. Wow. The guy who took this role to new heights, Daniel Craig. I leave it for you. All right, Chris, your opening statement. Why is Connery the better Bond? Well, first, bold, bold statement of the best Bond ever. One of the best. I agree with you. And I agree he also took the role to new heights. However, let's talk the beginning. We sit at a Baccarat table. You see the back silhouette of Bond. His hands are dealing the cards. Across from him, the beautiful Sylvia Trench. And she asks the famous question, I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. You know, he doesn't even look down. He folds the cards over. He has the winning hand. It's absolute brilliance. At that moment, he assumed that role. He became Bond, James Bond. And I think every actor since then has tried to live up to that moment. It's one of the coolest moments in film. It will not be surpassed. And he continued with a long history of six films. Five of them brilliant. Uh, five <laughs> of them brilliant. And Never I say never again, Chris. Uh, I don't count that one. <laughs> that would be seven films. What? Uh, I do not count that. All right, hold on. It, I broke it, the rules. It, Uninterrupted. It, Keep going. You're it's good. It's a redo of Thunderball. It's a redo of Thunderball. Uh, which, all the way, I love, absolutely love. But I think that moment defines the essence of James Bond. And yes, I agree, Daniel Craig needed to reinvent, you say, you know, a, a, a lagging franchise. I would say a dead franchise. But Connery started it, and everything since then has been a pale comparison. Everyone has imitated what Connery did. All right, there's your opening statement. So, Greg, I want to start with you. You, you launched in by saying that this was a dying franchise and that Craig basically, it sounded like you're saying he single-handedly saved Bond, but 
I would push back and say, how can you say that when the whole the franchise is 25 films that's earned almost seven billion dollars? I think it's fourth only to the Marvel uh, series, Harry Potter, and maybe Star Wars in terms of um, a box office. Uh, you're, you're saying that Daniel Craig rescued the whole series? I am saying that actually, and not just because not because he was Daniel Craig. Nobody knew he was going to do this. It was the pure machismo of Daniel Craig coming into this role that brought it up. Nobody realized coming out of layer cake that Daniel Craig is, was exactly what it, everybody was looking for. But by God, after Die Another Day, <laughs> people wanted to see another Bond. You had that god-awful Madonna song. You had Halle, Halle Berry, who was fucking phenomenal in every other role except for this movie. And you had Pierce Brosnan just mugging his way through this entire piece of crap. This franchise was dead in the water. Nobody wanted it. It was it had bounced from from production company to production company. It was stuck with MGM through all their bankruptcy bullshit. And they willed it back to life as a hulking husk of just nothingness. And Daniel Craig <sighs> breathe new life into it, just brought it up. But you have to and recognize, people... Sean Connery, in 1962 with Dr. No, invented the notion of a franchise, right? The idea of a summer blockbuster comes from James Bond, Sean Connery. It doesn't exist. The movies we see today, the entire Marvel Universe exists because they figured out a way to take a single character and extend that out in a way that audiences just could not wait for. Connery invented that. Craig just simply brought it back. And someone oh. will bring it back after Craig as well, too. We don't know who it will be, but someone will also reinvent it. I give Connery credit for for originating the role. I give Connery credit for for making people want to see the same character on further adventures again and again in a movie format because there were obviously what they were took this plan from was the westerns of the 50s and the 60s where people could come back and see the characters they like over and over again and yes it is a distant relative to the marvel universe and people coming in and, and wanting to see these further adventures of their favorite heroes and everything like that but even connery tired of this role he wanted out after what was it uh diamonds are forever was the last or you only you only die twice you only live twice he you wanted out twice. he left lazenby came in they said lazenby you're horrible and they paid connery what four million dollars to come back and do one more oh and he, he looked great he gained weight he lost hair <laughs> he had a terrible <laughs> hair piece he went to vegas and drove a mustang and it was amazing i think sean gained about 30 pounds <laughs> in the last movie in that gray suit he, about a size 46. he wanted out this franchise was done it was doing nothing for him he was willing to put on an orange diaper and star in Zardoz rather than come back to Bond films. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not debating Sean Connery after James Bond, because until until The Untouchables, his career was bad. He played Sir Gawain in The Green Knight. He was the Green Knight. It was awful. <laughs> but I will say, if you look at that beginning, again, all of these actors. I mean, Daniel Craig said he would rather slit his wrist than play James Bond again after the fourth film. You tire of the role. It's 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 a demanding film. I mean, Craig has hurt himself multiple times. He does the stunts. It's a demanding role. But if you look at how Connery defined this role, let's look at just how absolutely cold-blooded he is. Dr. No. Professor Dent walks in that room. Connery's sitting in the shadows. They have a conversation. Dent tries to pull the gun. Connery just shoots him three times. 
shoots him twice more after he's already dead, pulls the silencer off, gives it a blow, <laughs> and then just calmly puts it back. That is so cold-blooded amazing. Well, the stuff Film I love one. about Connery, though, I just got to say, you know, there, I, I can't remember what movie it was, but... There's a movie where a woman is attacking him and she's in the bathtub and he throws a toaster in or Shocking. a hair dryer. Shocking. <laughs> like, I love how he's got these little one-liners after he just commit, commits murder. And that's he's... something I miss with Craig. I mean, the best <laughs> okay. example would be, so I went through a list of these. Some of my favorites. Thunderball. That looks like a woman's gun, Mr. Bond. Know much about guns? Fires the gun, hits the skeet without looking, <laughs> delivers the line, no, but I know a little about women. Right? That's brilliant. <laughs> you know, again, so Honey nice. Rider emerges from the water in Dr. No. Brilliant. Ursula Andrews, right? And she, uh, Ursula Andrews. She says, what are you doing here? Are you looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. I mean, that is brilliant. That's amazing. That's what I miss let's, with Daniel Craig. Let's let's look at that though. In in, in today in today's with, with today's eyes, let's not look at this with 1960s eyes because really we're all looking at that with 12 year old boys' eyes. I'm a 50 year old man right now, and I don't need that in my life actually i don't need any man talk in my life i am fine without without the completely pervy just creepy old man on and and i have to take issue while sure the shocking lines are funny at the time that also led to all of the bullshit Roger Moore stuff that yes. came on that's completely parodied to a T in Austin Powers. But isn't it's, that the right. genius? The, the lines are so bad. <laughs> isn't that the genius of Connery? Is he actually pulls those lines off, right? Connery can't. One of my favorite, I'm sorry, Moore can't. One of my favorite lines from, from Roger Moore is in Live and Let Die when he's in Harlem and the opposite number from the American Secret Service says, great disguise, Bond, blackface in Harlem, right? Moore can't pull that off. Connery could pull off those horrific lines. He could be just a cruel, cold-blooded bastard, but for some reason, you know, we loved the role. And I agree. It certainly could has he, a though? shelf life. Could he pull those off? <laughs> <laughs> well, given that the franchise is 50 years old, right, we've got, we're coming up on number 25, movie number 25. This has been around for 50 years. This is the, this we're talking the 60s. It was a different time. Right. Uh, those movies don't hold up, uh, you know, with the language that's used and the, the way that women are treated and objectified in the Connery movies. But, you know, you could say the same thing about the Craig movies. So, I mean, he's sleeping with three girls every every film as well. But so... he feels bad, though. He feels bad. About <laughs> but, <laughs> feels bad about but is that what we want? And if you really look at the character of James Bond, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, Ian Fleming himself was a was a bit of a sexist. He was a bit of elitist. He was a bit of a homophobe. All of those things, right? And in James Bond, I think we create a character that, you know, he's sort of our secret id. We're not. We're actually, I don't think, not supposed to like him. There is. He is a cold-blooded sociopath who throws himself into horrific acts of violence, drinking, which, by the way, I guess Daniel Craig drinks more than any other Bond, according to my research, and, you know, just acts that somehow try to steer himself away from the horrors that he has to commit. So mm -hmm. I think we as an audience aren't always supposed to say, I love what he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways by them humanizing Daniel Craig, and try, I mean, it's almost like Star Wars, right? When we first see Darth Vader, there's a brilliance to Darth Vader. But the more you prequel it out and you tell us why Vader's doing it and write those wonderful novels and comic books that Scott loves so much that give us more of the story, I think we almost get too much 
to where the yes the character is more human but as a result because they are more human it somehow takes that away we're, we're supposed to be at horrified i think by what bond does i mean he's a cold-blooded killer he has a scar down the side of his face in the books he has these steel eyes they compare to a shark and that's the character. That is the character, but I, I think that's a, that's a product of another age. I think that we've all kind of come to the point where we want to be able to at least relate. We want to be able to root for these guys that we see on the screen, and it's hard to root for this character who has no history and no past. And that was, that's kind of the genesis of the Bond character. You know, none of the stuff with with blofeld being his stepbrother or anything came along till much later he was always this just this kind of soulless he's the shark in jaws just going out after whatever the next target is and i i appreciate with 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 daniel craig that they're actually trying to put a a, a face and put a soul to the face more than just having him be a thing out there pulling a trigger just more than a blunt instrument but which Craig is ha- addressed through all the judy dench right, st- stuff yeah. too she actually uses that turn of phrase i believe mm-hmm. Yeah. But Greg, don't you think a little something's lost? I mean, in all the, the character development we've had with Daniel Craig, what has been lost is any real opposition. I mean, if you think about it, who has who has Daniel Craig faced in all of his movies? Uh, Casino Royale, which, by the way, I agree with you. I'm going to put in my top three James Bond films. The villain is a guy with a bloody eye who plays cards. Not Who's terrifying. So awesome. So awesome. I'll ask all of you, name the villain in Quantum of Solace. Uh, oh, I was gonna say, what is it, what is the guy's name? It's a, it's a little short guy stealing water in Bolivia. <sighs> Terrified. I just right? remember when Bond sends the guy out with like a quart of motor oil, and he's like, "You're gonna yeah, want to drink that eventually." Him, yeah, he makes him drink like, the motor oil because yeah, exactly. because they did the they did the homage to Goldfinger, and they and they doused mm-hmm. the girl in oil instead of in a right. gold. Right. And, right. and even Spectre. I mean, once you finally bring in Blofeld, the villain of all villains. You know, Christoph Waltz was so bad at that that, you know, I am the author of all of your pain. It was just, it was painful to watch. So if you look at what Connery faced, you know, starting off, Dr. No, not a great villain, but from Russia with love, absolutely brilliant. He faces Red Grant. I mean, that's one of the best fight scenes ever on the train. Oh, that train. You know, you know, that's a great thing about The thing about the Connery Bonds is it's always the henchman that's the better bad guy. Because Dr. No is just a giant pussy. Goldfinger's just a great big fat dude who can't speak English. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's this constant list of the henchman is always the better bad guy. And I, I wish that they would have guys who are actual physical and mental equals to Bond instead of, you know, it's a guy with a guy. But behind those guys is always Blofeld. And so all those early movies, we see him stroking that cat. Did you know about the cats are the perfect killing machine? Um, if you have a, if you, I've heard, yeah, I've heard that. Yes, if, if you take a dog and make him 13 feet tall, he would be Clifford. But, you know. What if you made Bond 13 feet tall? <laughs> I do not think the world is ready for that. The world is not enough. He would also be Clifford. Yes. There you, oh, that's right. <laughs> James Clifford <laughs> Bond. So I, I do think the opposition allows Connery to be the better Bond. I love what Daniel Craig does. I think that torture scene in Casino Royale, oh. you know, absolutely brilliant. I mean, when you see him being tortured and he says, I've got a little itch down there to your mind. <laughs> that is absolute genius. And, and it's direct from yeah. the book. I mean, that is Casino Royale novel 
you know, to a T. So I, I think Craig delivers so much of that, and I love it. I, I to, to I, me, there's. I, just, I do just love Mads yeah. Mickelson in that yeah. role. He's going, "You have a very nice body. <laughs> <laughs> you have taken care of your body." Well, um, Craig brings a physicality to the role, Chris, that I don't think any other Bond can even come close to. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Sean he also, Connery was he Mr. Also Universe, looks like right? he can throw a punch. <laughs> he looks like he can throw a punch where where Sean Connery can't throw a karate chop to save his fucking life. You know, a single karate <laughs> chop to the neck can't can't incapacitate anyone. I have watched my movie. What I do love about those early Bonds is well, to even something like. Martial arts was brand new, right? Odd job. They do say he's one of three men in the world who can kill you with his bare hands as though it doesn't exist. And by the time we make it to Roger Moore, it is laughable. You know, these entire schools of ninjas. And by the way, you'll only live twice. James Bond trained as ninja um, as they also disguise him as Japanese in a very believable turn. Uh, to the series. <laughs> not, not even the slightest bit racist at all. Uh, you know... <laughs> Um. Yes, I agree. <laughs> right, so, so I have no counter to that. Okay, so let's talk about the equipment that Bond has to run with in these different different movies, right? So, what is the quintessential vehicle? Well, uh, in, a, in the a, Bond films, again, it's the Aston Martin, and I think right. it's so quintessential that you have Daniel Craig bringing it out of mothballs again. And and one of the problems I struggle with that is he brings the great car out to see it destroyed at the end of the movie. And I know there's probably some symbolism there of moving on to another Bond. Oh, and Skyfall. Yeah, and Skyfall. But then it looks like it's in this movie coming out shortly as well. I yeah, it, comes, it does there's come back, one. Inspector. He's got another one that he's built. Yeah, Inspector. there's another DB5, yeah. By the way, guys, yeah. you know you can buy that car, right? They sell that car with many of the gadgets for, it's about $500,000, but it's not roadworthy. You cannot oh, drive just, it on the streets oh, legally. right? Just please tell me it has an ejector seat. I don't care about machine guns. I just want an ejector seat. <laughs> I'm never riding with you. That's and and I will say, Greg, I, I'm enough. Of, I'm enough of a Craig fan. I really, you know, he's a close second to me. I have stood in that spot in mm. Scotland that they filmed the scene with him. I, I went completely out of my way, dragging my family to the middle of nowhere just to stand <laughs> in that spot and take that photograph. All right, guys, I think we've come to the point where we're ready for closing statements. Greg, I'm going to let you go first. Give us I your closing start, argument. I, I, I get to start here again. Well, again, when you're talking where we are in today's point of view, I'm not going to argue the fact that Connery is not the originator. And he set a, a good standard. He was the bond for his day. But when you're talking where we are today and where we need to go, you can't have a person like Connery taking that to the next level. And I'm not meaning Connery today. I mean Connery in the 60s. Connery in the 60s cannot take this to the next level. Craig is the guy that's going to take this to the next level. And he has taken it to the next level. He's made it. He's brought the franchise, like I said, back from the dead. And he's gotten people interested in seeing Bond movies again. Bond movies were not the, the automatic winner that they all were when, at the time that uh, Pierce Brosnan left it. And they are now. People are super excited for No Time to Die. And they'll be excited for whatever comes next, whether they decide to step up with a new Bond or whether they go with uh, Daniel Craig for one more run. All they got to do is back up another truck full of money to him. And that is strictly because Daniel Craig is such an intriguing character as James Bond. And I don't think you get that with Sean Connery. And that's my closing. All right, Chris, closing statements. I would argue one thing that Connery gives us is consistently he is a servant of the British government. He is a member of MI6. Every single Daniel Craig movie, he quits. 
He quits in movie one. He gets sad because poor Vesper dies. The bitch is dead. He leaves. He goes away. He comes back. He leaves again. He spent more time not in MI6 than actually in MI6. And when given a task, he fails. The money in Casino Royale, he loses it. Skyfall, protect M. He has this wonderful Home Alone show. He goes to his Skyfall mansion. He has one shotgun and she dies. The last movie, he quits again. So my problem with Daniel Craig, and again, I love the the, the, the approach they've had of let's put him under the microscope. Let's, let's put a psychologist in front of him. Let's show you all the reasons why. But he just simply isn't that spy. Sean Connery was a spy. From Russia With Love is quintessential spy film. It's beautiful. It's lush. It takes its time. Daniel Craig, 15 different locations, some wonderful exploration of psychology, but for the most part, not a spy. Not James Bond. All right, guys. Well done. Let's wrap this up. Did you ever have to make up your mind? It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Cake or death? That's a pretty easy question. Anyone can answer that. Cake or death? Uh, cake, please. There can be only one. You don't choose the things you believe in. They choose you. The hardest choices require the strongest will. For the love of God, shut your mouth. Okay, listeners, it's up to you. We need to figure out who is the better bond. Sean Connery or Daniel Craig and you can help us by going to our voting page follow the link in the show notes for this episode cast your vote do it right now for Greg and Chris this is Steve go vote and remember you must choose choose wisely